And I just want to encourage you uh, to stay connected to the family. Um, if you were to ask me uh, what's mo most important, I would say it's more important that you have relationships that go deep beneath the surface than you just show up on a Sunday morning. Uh, so, like, I, I don't believe that Sunday morning should be the epitome of our faith. I believe that uh, the power of the gospel is found exclusively, not exclusively, but primarily in relationships. You. You know, the power of God is going to be available here today. And you know where the power of God moves most? Right in these four seats right here that are empty. It moves real powerful there. If you want to see God move in your life, you should sit in these seats right here. You know what I mean? Uh, there's just something about staring at empty seats in a front row. I'm like, I don't understand you people. Like, just, you know what? You be, a, you know, like get to get in the splash zone. You know what I mean? Get in, if you go to see uh, Shamu, I can't believe they don't do Shamu anymore, man. I mean, I guess, but you know, but you go, you sit in the front row, you receive, you receive, like it's real. Like you get the pet Shamu's tongue, which is dangerous. I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest that. You know what I mean? Like, you, you know. Why would you think that's okay? His name tells you he'll kill you. He's a killer whale. Don't stick your hand in the mouth of a killer whale. Do you know, you know that the bathroom here smells like donuts? It smells like warm, warm vanilla cookies in that place, man. I walked in here to go to the restroom, and I'm like, I'm hungry. It's a great family. It's a great family. I don't, I'm going to go from, I'm just going to be all over the place today. Uh, it's good to be here with you. So, hey, make sure uh, more than you come to church. Now, it's important that you're in church, right? Especially right now in this season. Like, I want to tell you, it's important that you stay connected. It's important that you live inspired. And I pray that I inspire you today. I pray that the Spirit of God moves. And more than you, you hear the word of, of a sermon today or words of a song, that you'll feel the, 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 the provocation of God's Spirit in the room. You know, that you'll be encouraged, that you'll be moved, that you'll be challenged, that you'll grow. It's going to hurt a little bit. But you're going to grow. Everybody say, it's okay. It's okay. You know, I work out with, I, well, occasionally, you know, I work out with, with Sensei Paul. It, it's, it's about now that I return back to the gym. It's all, you know what I mean? Because the summer, I'm like, I'll see you later, man. I got to go play outside in the sun, you know? And then right about now, I kind of wander, after hunting season, I kind of wander back into the gym. Like, oh, no, I'm, it's good to see you. But I'm doing better. So, you know, I, I come back, I expect a bunch of attaboys, you know, pats on the back. You know, but I, I go in there and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be working out. And uh, I'm not, I'm, I, I lived in a gym when I was a young man. Uh, so I lived in a gym. So, I, you know, I, uh, I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it, dude. I hate doing push-ups. I try to do 100 push-ups and send some to tomorrow. So, but I hate it. You know, I hate it. And uh, so I go in there, and Sensei Paul will be like, all right, go get some weights. And uh, all, the, you know, all the tough guys in the gym now, they'll go over there and they'll get the big weights, you know. I don't care. I'll go over there. I'll grab, I'll grab a three-pounder if you, you know what I mean? I come back and I'll be over there working out. You know, I'm trying to hide. I don't try to stick out. I just try to hide behind people. You know? And every once in a while, Paul, uh, since they Paul, come over and say, "Hey, man, you need to get heavier weight." No, I don't. Nope. I feel the burn right now. I feel the burn right now. And he, it, what he'll do is he'll challenge me to to be better. And and so today I want to challenge you to be better. I want to challenge you to lift heavier weight spiritually. I want to challenge you to love people deeper. I want to challenge you to read your Bible and say, hey, read your Bible. I want to challenge you to read your Bible and read your Bible like this. Say, God, I want practical solutions to problems I face every day. Stop reading your Bible like a devotional. That's weird for me to say. It's weird for me to say, but you know, we have to stop reading our Bible like we're reading it just to get like, a warm, get me through the day feeling. Your, this Bible, this Bible will solve your problems. This, this Bible, this Bible will give you inventions. This Bible will tell you how to love. It will practically speak to you and say, this is how you raise your children. This Bible will tell you, you know why we have circuit judges in, in America? Do you know why? Because our founding fathers went to the, book, the Bible and said, you know what? They, they, they found it in Samuel when Samuel would go on a circuit and he was the judge and he would go on a circuit and he would judge. And so the, the founding fathers of our nation saw that and they were like, we should have circuit judges. 
They shouldn't just, they shouldn't just show up at a place. They should, be, they should be obligated to represent and travel in a circuit and go around and check on people and check on their constituents. That's why we have circuit judges. Because our founding fathers said, we're going to live, we're going to take this Bible and we're going to apply it and we're going to trust it. We're gonna, you know that the jet stream in the ocean was found by a guy who read his Bible and said, God, show me. And he was reading, and there's a psalm out there that says, I'll provide like paths in the desert, and I'll put, I'll put uh, paths in the, in the sea. And he was like, wait a minute, there's paths in the sea? And God said, well, there's paths in the desert. And I said, I'll put paths in the sea. And you know what he did? He went looking for what God said in the word. And you know what? He found it. He found it. He found, he found it, and he, he revolutionized travel on the ocean. He found paths in the sea. He also found paths in the air. All because of the Bible, because he practically said, if your word says it, it must be true. We look for science to say it and then present, and ask the Bible to like, is that true? Let me, you know, let me see if that's in here. I, don't, I can't, you know. No, no, it's the other way around. The Bible is proof. The Bible is true. Science is just catching up. And I guarantee you, you go out there and you, you, you research science from 30 years ago, the Bible has been true before the, the science ever found it. And it's time for us to start reading our Bible. I don't know why I'm saying that. But we need to start reading our Bible practically. You know, we, we face problems at work. You know, you're, the solutions are with you. You're anointed. You're the one anointed to solve the problems at, at your work. You are. You are. It's your, you are. Because this thing right here, it's, 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 your eyes are opened up to the truth of it, and God will just give you the answers of it. So uh, I, don't, I don't know why the bathroom smells like warm cookies. But I like it. I want warm cookies in my bathroom at home. What is that? That's good. Welcome to Church on the North Coast, everybody. If you're a guest today, forgive me. I love you. All right? All right. Hey, you got to... I don't know who's a guest and who's not. So who's a guest today? Any, any first-time guests? If, if there's not a first-time guest in the house, you're all getting spankings. Okay, there she is. I knew it. I knew it. I, could, I saw you, and I was like, you're a first-time guest. Welcome, our first-time guest today. Thank you so much for being a part of our service today. Come on, give her a great big hand. Yeah, welcome. Uh, there you go. That's church etiquette. You welcome people. Oh, yeah, welcome. Welcome, welcome. Uh, we, have this, uh, we have this service coming up at the end of the month called the One Sunday. I, I want you to do this. I want you to understand that revival is practical, and revival is, uh, is, is eternal. Revival is practical and revival is eternal. You say, why should I bring somebody to church? I'm going to tell you. How many would love to, to, to make Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit throw a party? It says this in the Bible. It says there, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels when one sinner comes to the Lord. It doesn't say that the angels rejoice. It says that, that the angels witness a rejoicing. There's a party. There's a party in heaven when somebody receives Christ. And, and you can make the, the Trinity have a party simply by your obedience to, to develop a burden for the lost. And I'm telling you, church, church, listen to me. You have to get a burden for the lost right now. When, when degeneration exceeds regeneration, we are in trouble. And I'm telling you, the alarms are going off all over the place. Degeneration is attempting to take over regeneration. And when that happens, that's a practical principle of life. Just think about it. Just, I want you to write it down. When degeneration exceeds regeneration in your life, you are dying. You are dying. You must always regenerate more than you degenerate. This is just a principle of life. If cells in your life don't regenerate faster than they degenerate, you are dead. And, and I'm telling you, there's a spiritual principle there. We must get a burden for the lost, and we must save souls for Jesus. That's the, that's the heartbeat of heaven, is that your neighbors come to the Lord. And that's another reason you should pray, because some of our neighbors need to know Jesus real quick before they get hurt. I got some neighbors, man. Turn it off. Don't let nobody hear that. Man, I got this one neighbor. Anybody got that one neighbor? I got this one neighbor. She make me want to move way out in the country. I'm like, you, you, you need Jesus. I'm praying. She need to pray to get saved. So there's a practical, there's a practical application and there's an eternal. There's an understanding. The eternal is the reward of heaven is you, you cause heaven to throw a party. Jesus throws a party when you develop a burden for the lost. And I mean, it's just a mandate of, of the word. There's no other way to, to put it. If you're not saving souls, you're disobedient. 
That's period. You, I told you it's going to hurt a little bit, but it'll, it'll, it's good for you. It's going to make you stronger. So if you're not saving souls, if you don't have a burden for, for God's people, the lost, this deep empathy, this deep ache in your spirit that says, God, I, I, instead of being mad at them, develop an empathy. Like instead of like being frustrated by, develop an empathy. God, I pray they get saved. You know what I mean? Like I pray they receive the revelation of Jesus in their life. I pray they come to know the saving knowledge of Christ in their life. I pray they, they bow the knee and they come to Christ in their life. We must develop a burden for the lost because it's, it's, it's a, there's an eternal reward there for just you. And there's, a, there's an eternal uh, correction as well. Like the, 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 the Great Commission was not optional. You know what I mean? It wasn't. He wouldn't say, well, we, if you feel bold enough. You know what he did? He, said, he didn't say, well, if you, if you feel inspired every once in a while, tell somebody about Jesus. No, that's not what he said. He said, go into all the world and save them. Save them, he said. Go and rescue them. It was not, as a born-again believer, you have to put away out of your mind that, that ministering to people, that witnessing to them about the love and the goodness of God is optional for you. It is not optional for you. I just put that right in your lap today, and I'm telling you, the conviction of the Holy Ghost must burden your soul. And if it's not, you better question your salvation. I know, I know, I know. It's, it's, it gets better, it gets better, it gets better. Follow me. There's also, you know what Jesus said to pray for? You know what Jesus said to pray for? The labors of the harvest. The harvest is, is set, y'all. It's good. The harvest is ready. Everything that Jesus has is ready. You know what he said? You got to pray that the labors of what I've already prepared for them, that they would just be courageous enough to go get what I gave them. You got to be courageous. You got you to, I know, I know, it's, it's, it's like, especially in the culture and society we live in, and there's a whole other message there, and the reason you're afraid, the reason you're intimidated, the reason you're, you know, is because society has, has got you buffaloed. Yeah, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, man. The society has convinced you that, that you should fear the governments of man rather than the government of heaven. And, and, and I'm telling you, he hangs the earth upon nothing, not, not the president. No, no, he walks on water, not man. It's, it's him. It's him. He resurrected from the dead. Nobody else did. He brings life to the dead. He gives hearing to the deaf, opening. He, oh, he gives vision to the, to the blind. He gives that. Jesus gives that, not them. And the fact that we live in fear of what they think tells us that we, we've spent too much time in the pot boiling with them. We're just in them. We're just in the, in the, and the Bible is very clear. You got to come out from among them, right? You got to, you can't live. You are here, but you're not here. You are here, but you're here for an assignment. You're here with Kairos, with heaven in your spirit, and you've come in the time. God graced time with you so you could bring heaven here. That's it. That's it. That's your reason for being. And, and once you get the understanding that the government is upon your shoulders like it is upon Jesus, the government of heaven is on your shoulders, you walk differently. You, you, man can't sway you. you. They won't intimidate you. They won't scare you. You can't, you can't scare me. What are you going to do to me? Kill me? You can't kill me. You couldn't kill me if you wanted to. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. Some of you are looking at me like, this man is nuts. <laughs> now, I'm just sold out like Paul. I believe like, like I just believe like Paul. Like, like Paul had a conversation with God. He said, whether I should live or die, I'm not sure. I, I would like to go be with Jesus. But you know what? It's more needful that I stay here. So you know what? I choose to live. Which told me that nobody could, if Paul made a choice, I'm going to live. And there's nothing that hell can do about it, the government can do about it. There's nothing anyone can do about it as long as you and Jesus have made the decision to live. I don't care what the doctor says. I'm telling you, you can stare, you can look right back in a doctor's face and say, I don't care what stage cancer you say I have, I'm going to live. And once you do that, 70 70 million cells in your body begin to operate according to what you just said. Okay. So there, I don't know what I'm, where was I? So there's a practical reward to saving souls. I haven't even got to the offering yet, y'all. So the practical, there's a practical reward to, uh, to saving souls as well. Uh, you know that every time there's a move of God in the earth, 
Every time, every time there's an outpouring of God's spirit uniquely over an area, you know what happens in that area? There's an economic revival. There's favor, there's blessing. I mean, I could walk you through the Bible and show you where this happens, but you go to, let's just go to like one of the darkest times in the Bible where uh, God was pouring out his judgment on Egypt. Remember that story? But there was a little place in in that place. There was a place within a place. There was a wheel within a wheel. There was, you know, there there was a people that lived in that place who were untouched by the plagues of Egypt. It's called Goshen. And, and I'm telling you, there is a, there's, there's a practical application to saving souls in an area. When you start saving souls in an area, suddenly, I'm telling you, the, the portals of heaven open up, and the, and the thin layer of heaven between heaven and earth begins, it's become so thin that anything can just drop through it at any moment. And, and, and there's this favor that comes on your life. I'm telling you that you have access to favor that you're not, you're not pulling on yet. There is favor that is available to you. There is a blessing. There is this, there is this you can't kill me thing on you that makes you walk through hell, makes you walk through the fire, sleep with lions. You could throw me in the fire, but I come out with even the scent of smoke on me. There is something that God has available for you. It comes when we start to develop a burden for the lost, I'm telling you. Revival comes, and when revival comes, the earth is not the same. The earth is changed. Yeah. It opens up heaven to the earth. Yeah. The, heaven can come in an instant to where to where it's necessary and needed. Um, so there's that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's, uh, The 50th anniversary, so we're going to celebrate 50 years of, of, uh, of our great family here. Uh, that's on November 20th. It's a black tie event. Ladies, my wife is always telling me, hey, take me out. Yeah. Take me out. Let me put on a nice dress. <laughs> hey, I got one for you, ladies. This is it. Make your husband take you to the 50th anniversary. It's a black tie event. going to be you know, some hors d'oeuvres, real fancy up front, and then we're going to celebrate... Uh, all of the faithfulness of God for the last 50 years. And uh, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to reflect a little bit, but more, but more importantly, we're going to set our eyes on the future. Uh, There are some things that God wants to do. I believe God wants to plant a church in Medina. I believe God wants to us to open up Adonai University where we start uh, a partnership or something. I don't know what it looks like yet, but, uh, but our students need our students need to us to push them. Our, stu- our students need us to like say, you know what? Let's secure. Let's create a system of revival uh, it, just in our family, to where like one generation raise, the, the, the generations raise, 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 and then they get to the top and then it flips over. And uh, I think Anna and I University will do that. So we need. I, I would love to buy a dorm and put some students in it for two years, give them a two-year internship at the church while they, they can save money. They don't have to pay rent. They begin to throw money in the bank. They, and it leverages them for success for their future. Imagine this. How many have student debt in the room? Raise your hand. You got student debt? Yep, a lot of you got student debt. Imagine if you were able to go to school and you didn't have to pay for your bills. You know what I mean? Imagine if you were able to go to school, don't have to pay for your bills. You just, you just go to school, go to work, and then come to the church on Sundays and Wednesdays and let God just speak into your life for two years. Let God speak into your life for two years. You know what that does to you? It, 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 well, first of all, it, it, like, it does what the world's doing to our students right now. The world is indoctrinating our students right now to hate God. The world right now is indoctrinating our students to, like, to hate and rebel against authority. But what if we, what if we discipled them for two years solid, like gave them the word every day, spoke the promises of heaven over them, awakened the destiny inside of them? So that's what we're going to talk about, some of that stuff at the 50th anniversary. Come and be a part of that. It's going to be amazing. Let's, uh, let's receive the offering today. Did, did we do that or did I need to do that? Let's do that. So uh, thank you for your faithful giving here at Church on the North Coast. Um, you need a word from God. You don't, you don't need, uh, let, me, let me just tell you this. The reason you should tithe, I'm going to tell you this, the reason you should tithe it's 10% of your years. The reason you should tithe is because you need a word from God more than you do a word from man. Yeah, you need a word from God when the word from man is death. You know, like you need, you'll need a word from God 
You need a word in season when you're weary. You don't need a, 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 the wisdom of a professor. You don't need, and you know, the church has been so deceived, and I'm going to say some stuff. It might make you mad, but I'm going to tell you, like, when the church put the psychologist in their, in their, uh, in their curriculums, we went way wrong. We went way, way wrong. Because I'm telling you, like, the, God, God can speak to your problems way before with way more proficiency and articulation and inspiration and correction than man ever could. And when we, when we have, when, you know, when you come and you're like, oh, you know, like, we're trying to counsel our problems away. <laughs> you don't need a counselor beside the Holy Ghost. You need the counsel of the Holy Spirit. You need the counsel of God's word. But you don't need the counsel of man. And so this is why, this is why church matters. Because you need structure from heaven. You need the government of heaven, man. The world needs the government of heaven. And that's, you know, that's what we're doing. Is we're establishing, I said it earlier, and I want you to get this in your spirit. We have to stop the degeneration that's taking place in our nation. You got to stop it. And the only way you can stop it, you're not going to stop it with more intelligence. You're not going to stop it with, let's just go virtue signal to everybody. That's not going to stop it. The only thing that stops it is the word of the Lord. The only thing that regenerates a man's heart from hopelessness to hope, from, from, from death to life, is the word of the living God. Jesus incarnate. Jesus, his, Jesus' person flooding a room, that, it, uh, flooding a person's heart. That's the only way it happens. And so the, the, the preaching of God's word, the, the ministry of the saints is so needed, necessary for our hour. I can't begin to tell you how important it is that we as the church begin to uh, pay attention, stand up, walk the steps ordered of the Lord, you know, fall in rank. Let's, let's, let's get this thing done. So this is the reason we give. Thank you so much for your faithful giving here at Church on the North Coast. These are the ways to give, and uh, we, we like to bless it. So let's bless it today as you hold it up before God. Let's bless it today and commission it under the authority of heaven. Father, thank you for every seed, every sower in this house. I bless God. Uh, I bless your people, God, and thank you that as they release this seed into the earth, it goes in looking like a dollar, but it comes out looking like heaven. We declare heaven. Heaven is the manifestation of the seed we sow. We sow natural seeds. You said, lest a grain of wheat fall to the earth and die, it remains alone. But if it perishes, it produces much harvest. So we thank you for the harvest of heaven that comes from the seed we sow right now. An eternal reward. We bless you. We thank you, God. You bless your people. You give them victory. You give them joy. You give them peace. God, just thank you, God. There's, there's nothing you can't do. Uh, we, re we remove the limits of you today, and thank you, God. Uh, for all things that are possible right now in Jesus' name, Amen, Amen. As you take that, uh, uh, as you receive that, uh, take your Bible, go with me to Luke seven, verse fifty. That'll be my text for today, and, and it uh, it says this. He, he said to the woman, "Your faith has saved you. Go in peace." A little context of the story here. There's a sinful woman. Uh, you, you know, she was a sinful woman, uh, and she heard about this uh, this this religious conference with Jesus that's taking place. All the religious people are there. They're like, which is weird. You know, like this woman heard that there was like this major conference happening in this guy's house. And she, she has the faith enough to, to walk in, into the middle of the room of that conference. And she begins to, uh, she, she, she kneels down at Jesus's feet and she begins to weep uncontrollably. And as her tears fall on his dirty feet, she takes her hair and she begins to wipe his, the dirt off of her feet with her hair. And, and Jesus then takes the opportunity to correct everything wrong with the room with what happens. And what, there's, some, there's some things I just want to share with you that have nothing to do with my message, but it's, it's really interesting that before Jesus tells her she's forgiven, she feels forgiven. It's up to that point. Like, it's like we're having this meeting right here. She walks in, and we all know who she is and where she comes from and what she does and all her past and all her, you know, we all know. And she comes in, and she does this, and 
And she, forgiveness is so powerful that when the person of Jesus is present, genuinely, shame and condemnation leave the room regardless of who's there. Like, like, it, like, and Jesus didn't even tell her she was forgiven. She felt who he was. Like, that's how you know. If you want to, okay, so here's, here's, what, here's, here's the truth you take away from this. If you want to know the substance of your faith, ask yourself this. Everybody all right? Because there's a lot of moving around right now. And whenever anything starts moving around, I'm like, hey, everybody cool? Let me know. So listen, just give me your attention. I don't want you to be distracted. So ask yourself this. The degree to which people feel Jesus in your life is the indication of your spiritual maturity. So ask yourself, when people are in my presence, do they feel shame, judgment, condemnation, or does the presence of Jesus in me release such a spirit in a room that people feel forgiven before Jesus even tells them they are? That's how powerful the presence of Jesus is. And the, and the truth is, before the preacher ever called you to the front to answer the, the prayer, you felt the forgiveness. You, the person of Jesus in the room liberated you before the preacher ever called you, right? So it wasn't the preacher's preaching that saved you. It was the presence of Jesus in the room that liberated you and set you free and caused you to have the courage to come forward, Amen. right? So, the, so, so Jesus then rebukes the room. He's having, he's, she's, you know, wiping his feet. She, she, he looks at her, and he talks to them. <laughs> that's good, right? That's, that's, that's fire right there, man. That's Jesus all day long, which is really fun, that Jesus will look at you and correct everybody else. You can grab the attention of Jesus while he fixes your problems. This tells me what the best thing for us to do is just, man, just get the attention of Jesus. Let Jesus deal with them. You just get the attention of Jesus. So he says to her at one point, and you know, I'll come back to this, but he says to her, he says, uh, he says, woman, your faith has saved you. Now that word saved is interesting. Um, it, it, it means, it, well, it's, you know, it's Greek, but you don't really care about that. But it, I'm always fascinated when guys are like, well, the Greek expression. It's sozo. But, but what's interesting about the word is, is not what it means. I mean, it means these things. I'll tell you what it means. It means rescue. It, cure, it rescues you. So faith uh, uh, rescues you. It cures you. It restores you. It recovers you. And, and the word, it, what's most interesting about the word is it's tense. So when Jesus says, your faith saves you, what he's saying is, your faith will lift you out of the trash can of life from yesterday. So all of yesterday, every, every person that threw you in the trash of life, your faith will lift you out of it. Your faith will lift you out of the trash can right now. And tomorrow, your faith will lift. So it's yesterday, right now, and tomorrow. So it's all of your sin of, of, that is in your past, he lifts you out of. All of the sin that you're presently in, he saves you from. And all of the sin you'll ever commit, this is the power of your faith in Jesus. He said, the power that, of faith that you've put in me, the forgiveness that I give you, it lifts you out of yesterday's trash can, today's trash can, and any other trash can that any man will ever put you in in the future. All right, so... I just wanted to like kind of put that there, and now, now like, this is Forky, all right? I want to introduce you to Forky. Forky, if, as you know, I think it was uh, Toy Story 3 or 4, my man, all right. You know what? I got it on repeat in the house, Bonnie, you know, and Forky. So Forky, 
Forky's a good friend of mine, and I relate to Forky a lot. But Forky has this predisposition, this psychological, neuropathic predisposition to trash. Because Forky was formed from the trash. The whole story, the whole story of Forky is this, that every time Forky sees trash, he jumps in it. Remember, he has a psychological, neuropathic, meaning his mind, because he comes from trash, because when he was formed, he was formed from trash. He, Bonnie went to school, and when Bonnie was at school, uh, all the kid, nobody, the, none of the kids wanted to play with her, right? This is how you know I got a five-year-old. None of the kids wanted to play with her, and so they took all the, the crafts, and they, they left Bonnie at the table alone, which is sad. Everybody's so sad. That's sad. And, and, but, but Andy jumped in the backpack. He sees what's happening. Andy jumps in the trash, and he starts throwing trash. He starts throwing trash out. And he throws it on the thing. And what he threw on the table, what he threw on the table was what Bonnie used to form Forky. And Forky was formed from the garbage. So now all through the story, all through the story, as, as, Forky, as the storyline uh, unfolds, all through the story, every time, wherever they are, Forky sees a trash can and Forky puts himself in the trash can. I can relate to that. I can relate to that. There there, I, because I like Forky, and maybe like you, maybe not, but, but maybe like you, you like me, have these neuropathic, these psychological neuropathic predisposed, like my neuropathic, my father, when I, was, when I was, before I was even born, my father threw me in the garbage. Now, listen, and I'm not, I don't say that to condemn my father, because at the end of, the, at the end of my life, my father did something amazing. Maybe I'll share it at the end here. But, but, but I want you to know that life has a way of putting us in the garbage. And maybe nobody's put you in the trash yet, but I want you to, I want you to know that eventually, probably, maybe, it's, it's likely that, that somebody is going to discard you in life. Somebody's not going to see your value. Somebody's not going to see your worth. Somebody is going to pitch you in the garbage and, and, and try to get rid of you and, and, and define you as trash. Now, in the story of the woman that comes to Jesus, she walks into the room, and here we go. She walks into the room with a psychological, neuropathic predisposition for trash. Everything in her life has defined her as garbage. Every, every person in the room called her trash. Every person. They said, they, they, were, they were whispering to one another, if Jesus knew what kind of trash was touching him right now, if Jesus only knew who this, people put you in the garbage. Life has a way of putting your garbage. She walks in the room from the other side of the tracks, trash. Come from trash, looks like trash, lives like trash, probably like, you know, destined to be trash. And she walks in the room and she says, I'm done. She says, I'm done. I'm done thinking the way I'm thinking. I'm done, putting, I'm done putting myself in a trash can. And I can remember the times in my life where I said this to myself, like, I, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm done. And, and what God wants to do for you and me is he wants to take the neural pathways that have been created that give you a predisposition to jump in the garbage every time in life. You know, a, a, a predisposition to jump in the trash is, is, a, is like this this. This, the feeling you feel of insecurity, the feeling you feel of inferiority, where you feel like you're not as good as them, you feel like you don't belong in the room with them. We all struggle with it. If you're, if you're alive, you struggle with this. You struggle with this psychological, neuropathic predisposition of, of trauma that's happened to you. Maybe your mom or your dad, or maybe it was friends, or maybe it was a relationship, or maybe it was a husband, or maybe it was a wife, maybe some, but somebody, you know, some, something happened that told you that they, what they say, is, and, and, and the enemy, here's, the, here's what the enemy does. The enemy who hates you, he hates you. 
He wants, to, he wants to reinforce the neural pathways of trash in your life. He wants you, he wants your mind to be full of trash. He wants your ears to be full of trash. He wants your heart to be full of trash. He wants you to think about trash. He wants you to dwell on trash. He wants you to live in trash. He just wants, because he, he's just trying to, to reinforce the, the, the psychological predisposition of hell. The psychological predisposition of hell is you ain't never gonna be nothing and whatever happened to you is going to define you for the rest of your life. If your daddy did it, you're going to do it. Whatever, whatever genealogy you come from on that side of track, you can never break that in your life. You're always going to be that. And what that psychological predisposition will do to you, it will make you put yourself in lesser places than God has intended for you. No matter where you go in life, God will put you. He says your gift will, will bring you before great men. And then you'll walk into a room and you'll, and you'll shrink back in that room. And you'll say, I don't belong here. And you'll find the exit door and you'll leave it. Or, you'll, or, or your, your disposition that you carry into a room will put you down. Because people will sense it. People will know. They'll say, oh, you, you don't really believe what you, what, who you say you are. You do, your resume says one thing, but your disposition says another. Like You, you, you think you're free, but you're not really free. You are what, the, what you are. You, you know who you are. And this is what... This is the conversation that happens in our mind all the time as believers. This is the warfare of the Christian today. The warfare of the Christian is like, will you believe what the enemy is lying to you and telling you? You are what you did. You know what you did and you are what you did and you'll never be able to break what you did in your life. You're always gonna be that thing. And you live, I remember, I remember, you know, when I was, the first two years of my, uh, being a father, uh, you know, I, was a, I, had a, I had a son when I was in high school, 17, what? Who? You want me? I don't even know how to tie my shoes yet. You know what I mean? And I was, and, and for the first two years of my son's life, I was, I was a trash dad. No kidding, man. I was a trash dad. I didn't know what I was doing. He was a crash dummy, and I was a trash dad. I mean, I didn't, I, I was afraid, I was insecure. I thought, I can't do this. This is too much responsibility for me. How in the world could I possibly? Like, I don't even, I can't even, I can't even, you know, buy electricity. I, I don't even, I don't even have a car. Like, I come from trash. I'm always going to be trash. Like, I was, you know, I was, and so, you know, what I tried to, what, what that began to do to me is, you know, as I, as I, you know, grew as a father, I grew as a father. And those two years, I, I got better the next year. I got better the next year. I learned some things. I got better the next year. And, and before long, you know, here's some 30 years later, 31 years later, uh, the enemy will still try to condemn you for two years. But for, listen, but for 29 years, Troy, you've been killing it. For 29 years, you've been, you've been, you've been putting in the work. You're a father to many. You're, 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 you're faithful, you're, you're, you're consistent, you're, you're, you love, and you love strong, and you, but the enemy will condemn you for two years. And I remember the word of the Lord came to me and said, Troy, how long are you going to beat yourself up for, for two bad years when you've been good for 29? You've been a good father for 29, and you're going to let something define you from two years? And there's many of us in this room that are defining ourselves from one thing that happened to us. Or maybe there was a period of time where we missed it. And, and the enemy, he wants you to focus on that. He wants your mind to be full of that trash because he wants to, he wants to keep connected those neuropathic, those neural pathways that reinforce that you are garbage. You're never going to be who you want to be. You're never going to achieve what you think you, you can achieve. You, they can do it, but you can't do it. And what God wants to do today, just like he, he's done for me in many areas, he wants to disconnect those neural pathways and reconnect and tell you, you are going to do it. You aren't trash. You're more than a conqueror. You are beloved. He's proud of you. He knows what he put in you. He's faithful to you. He knows your destiny. He knows your purpose. He knows why he formed you. And he didn't form you for trash. He formed you as a treasure. You should write that down. I'm a treasure. You're a treasure. You're a treasure to, the, to your father. He loves you. There are four ways. There are four things that we look to the room for that reinforce the idea of trash in our lives. And these four areas, we've got to stop looking to man for. And I'm telling you, 
you know, we've got to stop looking to our spouses for these things. We've got to stop looking to uh, our pastor uh, for these things. When these things can only, these things can only be corrected by the, the touch of Jesus, right? The look of Jesus, the protection of Jesus, and the affirmation of Jesus. These four, these four, we, we, from these four things, we look for the world. We go looking everywhere else, but this woman finally got it. This woman finally got it. She said, if I can just get him to look at me. And I'm telling you, there's nothing like when Jesus looks at you. If you can lock eyes with Jesus and stop trying to get the attention of everybody else. You know, we spend so much time trying to get the attention of man. We try to, we, you know, we want likes and we want hearts and we, we're just out there trying to get the attention. Just get somebody who's in a good place, who's in a, who's in a better place than me to look at me. If I could just get Bill Gates to look at me, if I could just get Elon Musk to look at me, if I could just get my boss to look at me, if I could just get that man to look at me. If it, and we're trying so hard to get the look of the world when really all we need is the look of Jesus. And it says that when she dealt with, everybody else in the room was looking at her. I want you to know, everybody in the room was looking at her. But the only, the only eye she cared about in that moment was Jesus. And she walked into that room, and they were all looking at her. And they were all thinking things like, all oh, this trashy, no good, you know, blah, 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 right? They started speaking in tongues from the devil. You know, you know. But she didn't care. She didn't look at them. She didn't look at, at the Pharisees. She didn't look at Simon. She didn't look. All she looked at was Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you can lock eyes with Jesus, he can lift you from your trash. And, and this, this is every time he talks to me, every time. And I want you to write these down because every time Jesus talks to me, every time I'm in his presence, when he looks at me, he lifts me out of the trash. Every time I feel like, man, I'm no good at this. I, I, can't, I can't do this. I'm not, I'm not as good as these other people. You know what he does? I lock eyes with him. And when I lock eyes with him, you know when Peter locked eyes with him, he walked on water. It, and that's really just telling us, like, you don't need their attention. You don't need for them to look at you. All you need to do, there's something about when a father looks at his, his daughter, his son, there is something so powerful there. I mean, I remember playing football. I remember I was out there playing. Or when I'm, you know what? I'm 50 years old almost. I'm 50 years old. And, and every Sunday, you know who, you know who I want? Well, I want my dad, but he's dead. But I text my mom and say, Mom, I'm, I'm going to be in Avon late today. Can you come and watch me? I, but there's something really powerful when a father is watching you play. Oh, man, something so powerful. When Jeremiah used to play football, he'd be out there playing. And it's stadium full, man. Stadium's full in Avon. He went to state that year. But every, every game, every game, I could catch him looking for me. And when he saw me, you could, you could just tell. It's just like... It, inspired, like it, it reinvigorated him and it strengthened him. It, it gave him resolve. It, you know, he was, he was called the war machine. And he'd look up, you know, they'd be all, war machine, war machine. And he wasn't looking at them. He wasn't looking at, at the crowd calling war machine. He would lock eyes with me. And when he would lock eyes with me, my gaze to him would tell him, I'm proud of you. You're amazing. And just Jesus wants to lock eyes with you. And he just, you got to lock eyes with Jesus because Jesus is the only one that can tell you with just one look, just one look, man. He looks down into the depths of you and he heals you with just, just a look. If you could lock eyes with Jesus, he'll heal you with just a look. He'll go deep on the inside, man. His look goes beyond the surface. It goes right down to the cellular level, man, and it causes you to live, and it lifts you right out of the trash can. You need to lock eyes with Jesus, man. If you're in the trash today, I want to encourage you. Lock eyes with Jesus. Every time I lock eyes with him, man, I'm lifted from the trash. I'm, I'm encouraged. I'm empowered. I, I feel like, yeah, I can do it, God. I know I know who you made me to be. I know you custom tailor fit me for this moment. I know know who I am in you. Thank you, Jesus, for locking me. And I begin to walk on water. And Jesus is like, listen, I want to make you walk on water, but you can't walk on water with their gaze. My gaze is the only one that can cause you to defy gravity. My gaze is the only one that can cause you to live with heaven on earth. My, his gaze, his gaze is what you need to, to chase.
And then there was this, and then there's the touch. You know, we look to the world to touch us all the time. You just like, you just, you know, and clearly, lots of men had touched her. Lots of men had touched her. She was a sinful woman. And she had been touched a lot. And she'd been looking for something from that touch. And when Jesus touched her, he healed her. And it's interesting here is that we're not told that Jesus touched her. We're told, we are told that she touched Jesus. Which is interesting. It's interesting. What's really interesting is that it's preposterous. It's so arrogant to believe that we could presume to touch him. Really? We come to church and we're like, I'm going to touch God today. <laughs> really? You're going to touch God? But it, that's, not, that's not what touches God. What touches God is our decision, is our heart. What touches God is our heart. He sees our heart and he's like, it's irresistible to him. It's irresistible and he can't help but touch you. And his touch, his touch heals you. If, you could, if we could just stop looking for the world to touch us, like, like we're trying to shake the right hands, we're trying to, trying to get the preacher to put his hand on our, uh, and anoint us, you know, we're trying to get our fathers to touch us, and, you know, we're trying to get our husbands to touch us, our wives to touch us, you know what I mean? I, I just want you to know, you should probably, like, be a little easy on, easier on one another, because it's just, we all None of us can heal any of us. Your husband can't give you what Jesus can. Your wife will never satisfy. That touch from her will never compare to the touch of Jesus. And we spend so much time looking for the touch of man when all we really need is the touch of Jesus. Man, there's a song that says, he touched me. When he touched me, he didn't just heal me. He made me whole. I mean, he put me back together from, like, emotionally. He put me back together solically. He reached, when he touched me, he reached back into my past. He saved me from the trash of my past. He, he went back, and it's like he went back somehow and redeemed and restored everything I came from. I came from trash. I came from nothing. I was the first person in my family to graduate high school, first person in my family to buy a car. I was the first person my family to buy a house I was the first per- like all of the first person to go to college I was the first person to do it you know and and I was looking for the touch but let me tell you something when he touched me he restored all that I that I carried inside of me he, his his reach went way down on the inside of me he, he corrected and he touched and he healed like he healed like the stuff nobody could see he touched the stuff that the sin in my life he touched the sin in my life that I don't let nobody see. The cravings, the, the lust, the, the, the pride. He touched it all. He reaches down and he touches it. And for me to presume that I touch him, it's like, no, you don't. I touch you. Your faith touches me. And when your faith moves, I touch you. You don't need their touch. Matter of fact, you shouldn't even want it. It's not, it won't heal you. It won't restore you. We should forgive our fathers for not touching us. You know what I mean? I, I, like there was a point where I had to say, you know, I'm, I forgive. I forgive my father for not, for not being the guy I thought he should have been. You know, like it's your fault, you know, that, that I had to struggle with this stuff. And Jesus was like, he came into my office. I'm 37 year old. My, my, my father comes into my office and said, I need you to forgive me. And really what he was saying is like, and I heard the Lord say to me, you need to, you need to lift him out of the trash. Your forgiveness is the only thing that can lift him out of the trash. You need the touch of heaven. The protection. We look to the, to the world to protect us. We're looking for like, we're looking for like the covering of, 
of, of this organization or that organization, and we hide behind it so, so like cowardly. We, we hide behind this side and that side and this color and that color, and you know, I'm, I'm white and you're black, and we, we, we segregate ourselves and we hide in what we're comfortable in. And, and, it's like, and Jesus is like, you don't have to hide from me. I will cover you. I will protect you. I, I'm the only one strong enough to protect you. The organization that you're trying to, 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 to seek out to protect you is not strong enough to protect you. When Jesus looks at you, when Jesus touches you, when Jesus protects you, like you're safe. You're safe. It's so important that we feel safe, you know? Like, it's important. You know why it's important that you feel safe? And, and, and what happens when you don't feel safe? Just think about it. When you walk into a room and you don't feel safe, you know what you do? You're guarded. You're guarded. You, you, you immediately project to the room. You, the, you jump in a trash can and you, and you protect yourself. You defend you. And, and what, you, what happens when you defend you is you're inauthentic. When you have to defend you, we don't get who Jesus made you to be. We get the, you protecting you. We get this guarded thing like, hi, how are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? Everything's level one and two, right? We never go to level three. We never go beneath the surface. Why? Because I don't trust you. I don't feel safe in your presence. You know, I've all, every time I've been in the presence of Jesus, all I felt was safe. But I've been, in, I've been in plenty of rooms where I didn't feel safe. I've been in plenty of rooms where I knew the judgment in the room on me. I knew, they, I knew how they, they viewed me. I knew how they looked at me. I knew, I knew. And I'm like, you, don't, you see me as trash. And I understand that. And, and so immediately, when, when others around us view us as trash, you know what we do? We put up a hand. We guard ourselves. We put on this plastic exterior. And we pretend. Uh-huh. And we just begin to pretend. And what we do in those instances is we rob the world of the authentic version of ourselves. We rob our, our, our friends, our family. We rob the church. We rob our job. We all, oh, why? Because I don't feel safe. And if I don't feel safe, I can't be who God made me to be. You know, like it, it, I, was in a, I was at a party the other day and there was a bunch of people sitting around thing. And there was a question that said, uh, you know, who's your favorite music artist? And I don't even tell you what genre it was. They just said, you know why? Because I don't feel safe. But they said that. They said, who's your ma- favorite music artist? And, I, and I, I, you know what I did? I did this. Nope, not going to say that. I, shr- I shrunk back. Why? Because then you feel safe. But there's, certain, there's another circle I get around, and they'll, they'll ask me, hey, who's your favorite country music artist? And I'll be like, well, who you want to talk about? You know what I mean? What, what generation you want to talk about? You wanna, because I feel safe. I feel safe, and I can be me. And I won't be judged, and I won't be condemned, and I won't be shamed, and I won't be thrown in the trash can of your mind. Because like it or not, the trash can of their mind, their mind, when they put us in the trash, if, if, we, if we're not looking for the protection and the covering of Jesus, we put ourselves in the trash based on what they think. And there have been many instances, you know, you don't have to say them, but there have been many instances when you walked into a room and you felt their judgment, you felt their condemnation, you felt their shame, and you, you, you instantly put up a hand and said, nope, don't trust you, not giving you my authentic self. And what, but, but, I mean, just think about what would happen if, if we would begin to, to put only, just, just trust Jesus to protect us. Just trust Jesus. Like, Jesus, when he looked at her and he spoke to them, what he was saying was like, let me deal with them. You just, you just keep your focus right here. You just keep your focus right here. I'll protect you from the condemnation of them. Jesus, he says, I'll cover you with my feathers. He said, I'll cover you. I'll protect you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. We're seeking the protection of man, but really all we need is the protection of Jesus, the covering of Christ. And then lastly, the affirmation. Oh, I mean, this one, like, you think, oh, I don't need, I don't need, you know, my wife, she is, her love language is uh, words, words of affirmation. That's her love language. Like she, it, you know, if I, I can even do it, I can even say things and she knows I'm saying them inauthentically, but it still means a lot to her. Like I'll say them because I know I have to say them. Because there's something will happen, I'm like, you're just the best wife ever. And, you know, or, you know, you can cook really good. You know what I mean? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but you know what I'll say? You know what I'll say there? You, Mike, here's what I'll say. I'll say, hey, you cook five things really good. Man, that lasagna you make, mwah, you know what I mean? 
But words of affirmation, they matter. I, 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 I don't really care. At least that's what I say. It's not true. Everyone cares. I'd like to believe I'm bulletproof from, you know, you liking me or, you know, I live in this weird tension between not caring and, and, and all the way caring. It's so bizarre. It's that, that strange dichotomy. Like, I'm just like, I'm right in the middle. Like, I want you to like me, but really don't care if you do because I, you know what I mean? Uh, uh, it's so, it's so bizarre, but I, you know, I like to come off like, I don't, I, don't, I don't need man's affirmation, and it's true, I don't, but uh, you know, when I'm done preaching today, you know what I'll do? I'll go looking. There are certain people that I do care. There are certain people that I do care, man. I'm, I'm 50 years old, like I said, but there's a few fathers in my life that I go looking for their affirmation. I'll look online and see if they said, hey, good job. Hey, man, really proud of you. You know, like, I'm looking for them to say it, say it. Did he say it today? Did he say it? Did he say it? I mean, and, and, I, and then I, I, I can become so easily discouraged when they don't say it. I'm not just like you, like, I never even said, you know, and my wife every once in a while would get like this. She's like, you never even said, you know, what you should have said. And, and I'll say, oh, I didn't. I should have said that. I'm sorry. It doesn't matter now. I had to tell you to say it. Right? And, you know, nobody wants to beg for you to say something. Like, I don't have to beg for you to tell me, you know, who I am to you or whatever. Like, and you're like well, well, I said it. It doesn't matter. You have to say it when I'm, when it, when I'm not expecting you. You have to say it. I'm like, okay, no, take a note. Don't take a note. You're just, you know, don't put it on your calendar. You know, it's got to come from inside, you know. But we're all that way. And when I leave here today and every time I get done preaching on a Sunday, I go online and I start looking for Dr. Kayatin, my dad. I start, he's, a, he's one of the fathers, and I start looking for him. And I'm like, did he, did, he, did he see it? Did he hear it? Did he say it? Did he, did he, did he affirm me? Did he, did he say it? And we, we you like me, you're like Forky, like, we have this psychological, neuropathic predisposition. We need the affirmation. But I, I want to tell you, you've been looking in the wrong place for it much as I need my dad, dad, Dr. K, dad, as much as I need you to affirm me, there's something that, there's the voice of Jesus when he affirms me, there was this, 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 I read it this morning, it said, then a voice from heaven came saying, then a voice from heaven came saying, this is my beloved son. you're looking for them to say it wives you're looking you know maybe you're looking for Jeff to say it but he's probably not going to say it all the time but I tell you you know I'm just I'm trying to give you I'm trying to help you Jeff he's probably not going to say it as much as you need him to there's one who's faithful every time I'm in his presence I've never been in his presence and not heard his voice tell me, I'm proud of you. You're doing great, Joy. Grab me by the face, look up at me. Strong as you know what you want to think you are, is I don't need that. Oh, you need it. You need the Father of Heaven to break through and pierce the chaos and the and the, and the symbols of this world, the noise of this world, and you need them to pierce through it all, and you need them to thunder from heaven every once in a while, I'm proud of you, man. I see you. My eye is on the sparrow. I, I'm locked up with you. I'm going to touch you. I'm going to cover you. I'm looking at you, and I affirm you. You are my daughter. You're not trash. You're not who they said you are, and you need the affirmation of Jesus in your life every day. Like, you need him to say to you, like, I see you. I see your struggle, but I want you to know your struggle does not define you. The trash can that, that, that I lifted you from, you don't have to return to it ever again in your life. But here's what you got to do. The only way you can receive it is... I had a long conversation yesterday with somebody and bitterness bitterness because he's just looking for he's looking for the look of man the touch of man protection of man and he's looking for the affirmation of man and I say listen you're bitter 
and I'm bitter, and I ain't bitter. A little bit. A little bit, man. Bitter. And, and really what has to happen for this, this guy is he's got to forgive the room. If you want, if you want the look of Jesus, if you want, like, here's the thing. The look of Jesus, the touch of Jesus, the protection of Jesus, and the affirmation of Jesus, you can't have it if you're still holding a grudge against the room that puts you in the trash. The only way she could get it is if she forgave the room. And I'm telling you, there are some people that you've got to forgive. My father put me in the trash before I was even born. I never took his name. It always haunted me my whole life. I always lived with the insecurity of it. I always lived with like this, 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 this neuropathic, psychological predisposition that pff, he didn't love me. My own father never even came around. You know, 37 years old, he walks into my office. I'm a grown man. I don't think I need the touch, the look. I don't think I need anything from him. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm like, I'm already there. And honestly, I, I had no bitter. I didn't believe I had bitterness. I, I thought, no, I, I, who needs a dad? You know what I mean? Like, they're, they're overrated. Literally, if you would have asked me at age 37, like, what's your philosophy on fatherhood? I'm like, who needs one? You don't really need them. They're not really that important. I mean, and that's so crazy to say that I would suggest that at 37. But at 50, I have a little bit more, you know, experience. At 37, he, he sat there and the tears in his eyes. I don't know if he knew he was dying or not. I don't know. But he asked me to forgive him. I said, Dad, I, I, there's nothing to forgive. It's all good. And then the Spirit of the Lord entered the room, like, so powerfully. And I heard God say, you're the only one that can pick him up out of the garbage. You're the only one. He needs you. He needs you to forgive him. Your forgiveness will turn him into my treasure. And, and I heard it, and I said, you're forgiven, Dad. Matter of fact, the standard is restored to heaven. Like, don't ever, we don't ever have to have this conversation. I will honor you for the rest of your life. And, you know, many, you know, many years after that, I, I considered, like, changing my name to his. You know, like, that put my wife would be confused, my kids would be confused. It was just so, so I was like, oh, I can't really do that. But, you know, I, but I believe in the covenant. I believe in the covenant, like a man's covenant, a man's name. I believe in it so much that I considered, like, maybe I should go back and just try to, and God's like, you know, you don't have to do that. Just forgive him. You know, okay, okay. You know, but but today, you know, if I look back on my dad, I try, I try to remember moments of anger, or I, I try to like bring up a memory that like that displeases me or makes me not like him. And for the life of me, my mind has been so renewed. God restored it so much. God saved. God, look, listen to me. He reached back into the recesses of my mind of yesterday's experiences and pulled and emptied the trash can of my mind. He empties the trash can of my present moment and for the future, he empties the trash can from my father. And so the story that I tell of my dad today, is like, man, I'll tell isms of my father. I, I'll say, you know, I, 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 when I share stories of them, they're all with fondness in my heart and, and this deep devotion to him and, and this honor that, that I give to him. And he, he'd say things like, hit it like you live, son, which meant hit it harder. You'd be swinging a hammer, and he'd say, son, he, he, was, he was country, you know, he, he, Arkansas country. He'd be like, hit it like you live, son, which was his way of, like, jabbing at you, telling you, you're not hitting the nail strong enough. He'd say things like, he walked into my room one time, and, and I'm sleeping. It's like 7 in the morning. He walks into my room. This was after the conversation. He walks into my room, and he's standing over top of me. He's got his, his hat on. And he, and he says, son, you better get up. You're going to get bed sores. <laughs> but over and over in my mind, I could tell these stories all day long about him because God renewed my mind. God restored. God took the trash can out of my mind. And God wants to do that for you as well. Is there some people in your life that, that threw you in the trash? There's some experiences you had that threw you in the trash. You know what was interesting about that moment when I liberated him from the trash? Well, Jesus said, I didn't do it. It was just, you know what he said to me? He said, uh, well, what, what can I do? You know, what can I do to make up for, you know, all those years that, you know? And I, I just thought for a minute, and I said, you know what my greatest worry is? 
my mom. She's my greatest worry. She said, I, I don't want her to grow old by herself. I, I'd like to think that somebody take care of her. I said, why don't you go marry my mom? I was joking. I was, jo- was kind of joking, but I'm like, you want, you want to help me? Go marry my mom. Go back and, you know, go marry her. You know, he spent the next six years courting my mom. That's the power of forgiveness. It's the power of renewal, man. The power of renewal is so strong. And here's some, there's some relationships that God wants to renew. He wants to restore. He wants to empty the trash in your life. He wants to take you out of the trash. And what's interesting is if you lift your, like it was God said to me, Troy, you lifted him out of the garbage. But when you did that, you lifted yourself out of the garbage. You let me pick you out by your forgiveness. And there's people in this room, and, and listen, here's the altar call. We have to forgive. Some people did us dirty, man. <laughs> Some people did us wrong. Some people threw you in the garbage. Your mom, your dad. They said, listen, they, they have a proclivity just like you towards trash. I want you not to hold it against them and, 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 and be angry at them. Because, you know, maybe your dad was like mine. And, you know, maybe, maybe somebody said something. But I want you to know, like, they, the neural pathways for them are the same as it is for you. So you got to cut them a break. you got to forgive them. You don't forgive him. His touch, his look, his covering, his affirmation. He can't come to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord, we take this moment right now, just right there where you are. Just forgive. Forgive your mom, your brother, your dad, your uncle. Just forgive the friend. Forgive the husband that left. Forgive the, the, the wife that cheated. Forgive. Just forgive in this moment. Forgive. Forgive yourself. Forgive yourself for the two years you, you messed up. But like, no man, just forgive. Right now you're in this room. I pray right now the eyes of heaven. I, I pray you feel the eyes of heaven. You feel the touch of heaven. You feel the covering of, of the Father in heaven. And you, you hear the affirmation of your Father in heaven. You're my daughter, you're my son. I'm so proud of you. You can see him looking at you, cheering you on the game of life. You're going to win. I'll never leave. I'll never forsake you. I bless you forever. In Jesus' name. You're here right now, never giving your life to Jesus. Pray this prayer with me. There's only one way to get to heaven, and this is it. There's only one way to get to heaven. You're either walking out this door today, believing that Jesus died for your sins, and you're saved, or you're walking out that door, going to hell, and you're condemned. And there's no middle ground. I want you to know that Satan owns the fence. He owns the fence. So no decision is a decision. And right now, with me, you're in this room and you didn't know. You don't know if you'd go to heaven. You don't know that you can bring heaven to the earth. It's more about bringing heaven to earth than it is about you getting there. There's way more, there's way more life in front of you before you get there. So let's, let's secure heaven now so you can bring it here. You're the catalyst of heaven. You're, the, you're the, the, the ambassador of heaven that God wants to use to bring heaven here. And if you're not born again, you must be born again, the Bible says. You must be born. You must be born again. You can't see the kingdom unless you are born again. If you're in this room and you're not sure if you're born again, you need to make that commitment right now. Pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, all the Christians are praying in the room. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me my sin. I repent. Come into my heart and make me brand new. I promise to live for you from this day forward. Take my life. Destroy the works of the devil. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love you. It was awesome being with you today. Live right. Love everybody.